Welcome back to the On Life Podcast, everybody. We are in our um, re-releasing era, if you will. And uh, today's episode is episode one of season one. Yeah, this is the OG episode. Yeah, this was where it all started. Um, So in this episode, we have Jonathan Falwell. Um, He is Chancellor Jonathan Falwell now. Um, And it was a really great discussion around finding your calling and what that looks like and um, what we're called to and kind of how mm-hmm. to put language to that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And yeah. Yeah. So this came out, uh, March 13th, 2023. This is also, um, our most played episode on iTunes. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think I mentioned this in the season finale a couple of weeks ago, but I was very nervous recording this episode. I'm not <laughs> sure if you were Patty, but, uh, I left there feeling really encouraged I and, was nervous um, until when we were doing mic checks, he started talking about his granddaughter staying with him yeah. that night, like with he and his wife. And I was like, oh, he's he's so sweet and kind. Yeah, so. like it's one of those things where it's like you're a very high profile person. And and like for us, or like at least for me, it, it kind of almost had like a, like a meeting a celebrity thing because mm-hmm. I've never met him before. But he's really just a down to earth. Like kind. he really is a pastor. He's not some celebrity um, preacher that you might see on TV. He's actually a legit uh, <laughs> person, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, this episode is Return to Your Calling, and we're going to go ahead and hit play right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the On Life Podcast. We're here for the first ever episode of this podcast with Pastor Jonathan Falwell. He is the senior pastor of Thomas River Baptist Church and also the campus pastor for Liberty University. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, it's great. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, it's exciting. This brand new podcast to to speak into and speak for the lots of online students all yeah. around the world. Like, how awesome mm-hmm. is that to have that opportunity? And certainly, uh, you know, a lot of people wherever they might be right now listening to this podcast and kind of walking this through with us, man. And we're just we just want you to know we're praying for you. We're excited you're part of the Liberty family. And even though you might not be here on campus, uh, you are a huge part of making Liberty a place that trains champions for Christ around the world. So we're thrilled to have you with us today. Absolutely, absolutely. We are going to be speaking today about uh, returning to your calling. And um, we found that a lot of online students, they um, later in life say, you know, I've just really felt this call in my life to uh, maybe be a counselor or, um, you know, uh, just a lot of different areas where they kind of can change their whole trajectory of their professional life. Uh, or they just say, you know, I've I've worked my my uh, job and provide for my family, and now I'm finally going to do what I have always wanted to do, and that is X Y Z. So, um, I guess the first question I'll let uh, Patty ask here, but we're really curious first, it, you know, to really talk about, you know, what do callings look like, um, and how how do we know um, if they're from God? Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, calling is is. A lot of times people look at that as being their vocation or their job or, you know, how they're going to earn their, you know, resources to provide for their family. And, and what I would say right up front is that is not at all what a calling is. So uh, a calling is not necessarily a vocation. It is for some, obviously, pastors, missionaries, and worship leaders, counselors, all of those that you've even mentioned just a moment ago. Certainly that is uh, can be a vocational element of a calling. But a calling is something that God places on your life that He wants you to do. And what I know, according to God's Word, you go to Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus made it 
very clear that that calling that he places on us is on every single person who claims the name of Christ. So it doesn't matter whether you are a businessman or whether you are a teacher or a nurse or a doctor or whatever it might be, there is a calling on you. And that calling is something that transcends your job. It's something that we have a responsibility to, uh, to, to work out in our lives to find that passage. Matthew chapter 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. And so, you know, the one thing I do know about calling is this. It's on everyone. The second thing I know is this, is that when you find it and you're engaged in it, there is nothing that brings greater joy in our lives, outside of our relationship with Christ, and uh, outside of our own families, that can bring more joy to uh, a person's life than than like finding that calling and getting engaged in it, getting involved in it. But again, it's not necessarily your job. It's just what God calls you to do, what He wants you to do. And so, uh, we can do that from the standpoint of being. You know, God's representative in our neighborhoods. It can be God's representative at work. It could be certainly serving at a church. You know, I pastor a large church, and I have the opportunity often of walking through and seeing some of the uh, the individuals who serve in our nursery. And I know this: that's a calling because mm-hmm. I, I've got I've had four kids. I've got four kids, and I have two grandkids now. And to think about like spending your time changing kids' diapers that aren't yours, like that's a calling. Yeah. <laughs> but what I also know is those people have the biggest smiles on their faces every week because they know this is something that God has called them to, that they're passionate about it, and as a result, they're making a difference not only in the lives of those children, but they're making an impact in the responsibility of and the calling of the local church of Jesus Christ to change the world. And so that is the important thing about that calling, like finding it. It all comes through seeking God's direction in your life and what God gives you a passion for. Because again, God has not given me a passion mm. to change diapers, me <laughs> uh, but God does for some, and God, yeah. you know, gives other people different levels of passion. And so, yeah, find that passion, get engaged and get involved in it. And I promise you this, Matthew six thirty three, like yeah, God will add all of these things to you when you find that plan for your life. Mm. Awesome. Um, so, kind of going along that train of thought. How do you know that something is a calling from God and not just something that you are interested in or a personal passion? How can you kind of discern God's calling on your life as opposed to your preference? I don't think that they're exclusive of one another. So I think clearly when God puts a call on your life, Um, you know, kind of they usually will match up to not only it's God's call, but it's something you enjoy, right? So I'm a pastor. I I love pastoring. I love preaching. I love, you know, doing those kinds of things. And that's God's call in my life. And so, you know, the kind of two, they intersect there. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the question that you're kind of really digging is like, well, what is it maybe that's something I like to do, but not necessarily a call from God? So like, for instance, I like to take photos. I like to take, I'm a photographer. I love to take pictures. I've done that all my life. It's something I really enjoy doing. It's not a call from God all my life. It's just a, you know, it's a hobby. It's a, it's something I enjoy doing and that's great. There are other hobbies that I have. I I think the way to discern or to determine the difference between, is this something that God has placed on my life as a calling or is this something that's just simply a, you know, a habit or a hobby that I enjoy doing? is that you have to look at the outcome. Like, like what is the end game? What comes from it? So again, we go back to that nursery um, uh, illustration a moment ago. So those individuals would say, yeah, okay, we, we enjoy taking care of kids. How do I make sure that this is God's call in my life? Is because, again, of the impact that's taking place. And so I think 
you know, if someone has a, a calling to, uh, they have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you know, of, of encouraging others, of, of someone who's a, a prayer warrior, you have to look at kind of the outcome from what it is that you enjoy doing. And if what you enjoy doing and the outcome of that is something that impacts the kingdom of God, it's something that blesses and encourages others, something that helps to build others up in their faith, I think certainly that you can bring that intersection together and recognize, like, yeah, this is something that's... Uh, of God. If it's something that you enjoy doing that clearly that hurts other people mm-hmm. or that damages other people's abilities, if you, you know, if you like to make money and taking advantage of other people somehow <laughs> and, and ripping people off, I can guarantee you that's not a call from God. Yeah. And so I think it's just looking at the outcome, looking at the impact and figuring that out. What I would say is there are people who have multiple callings on their lives, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be one specific thing. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm using these nursery workers so well today. Uh, so I know some of them who are I mean, they're passionate about, their calling is to serve in the nursery and to minister to those kids. I also know that many of them are involved in other opportunities for ministries. Many of them will go on missions trips. Many of them will serve in their community of taking you know, a hot meal to someone who is uh, you know, who, who's housebound, who can't get out, those kinds of things. So the calling doesn't have to be you know, a singular calling. It can be a, a multiple calling that, that that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Awesome. My my kind of follow-up question was going to be, do you think that callings change over time? So these nursery workers, for a season, is that a calling? Or is there another kind of way to live that out so to do I would, meals? Or? Sure. Well, what I would say, I, I would say that the calling doesn't change. The the manifestation of that calling or the, the process of that calling can change. So, mm-hmm. for instance, um, I know many pastors who have spent many years pastoring churches and preaching God's Word every week and, and doing all of those kinds of things, and, and it came to a point in their life where maybe that, you know, because of their sta- sta- status in life, their stage in life, their age, they weren't able to continue to do what they were doing. And so that calling is something remained, but what ended up happening is they ended up doing that now where they would go and visit people in the hospitals. They would go yeah. to nursing homes and they would, you know, do devotionals and, and speak there. Uh, they would have opportunity of a smaller scale or a very kind of targeted scale. The calling didn't change. The calling was, I want to preach the gospel. I want to share the gospel with as many people as I possibly can. It's just the manifestation of that changed a little bit. So I would say the same thing is true, again, the nursery workers. It might be that as they age, that they can't keep up with the little kids like they once did. (laughs) But they'll have the opportunity of ministering in a different way, but with the same purpose and the same outcome. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's a great concept to think about because I think a lot of people they'll automatically think well it's a calling I have to do it you know my whole life but just like you said I I think um, circumstances change and I think you can still uh, do ministry just in a different way Um, what what would you say to someone who is feeling maybe a call to ministry Uh, obviously that's a that's that's asking a lot more maybe from someone than than someone who would just maybe be able to bivocationally uh, do what they're what they're called to do while still providing for their family, but um, shifting into ministry is like a huge switch for somebody. And I know we have a lot of 
uh, School of Divinity students here at Sure. Um, well, I would be careful in saying, you know, someone who's called to ministry rather than someone who is in a bivocational setting, mm-hmm. because there are many pastors who yeah. work far harder than I do mm. who are bivocational. Yeah. And so they pastor church just as I do, and they do all the hospital visits and the weddings mm. and the funerals, and uh, they minister on a weekly basis to a lot of people while also working in a factory or while also selling real estate or while yeah. also doing something else. And so, uh, you know, I want to make sure we don't, don't lessen that mm. or, or kind of put that in a different category. I think that is a category where those guys work far harder even than I do, which is which is uh, certainly something to be uh, admired. So I, I don't want to put that in that realm. But what I would say is like someone who is you know, not involved in ministry, but really feels like God's calling is like, hey, I want to go into vocational ministry, whether it be bivocational, whether it be uh, vocational, whether it be like this, this, I'm all in, this is all I'm going to do. You know, what I would say is first is you got to make that a, a, a matter of prayer. Yeah. Uh, because again, there are lots of people, and and this is unfortunate. I've seen this many times in my ministry, where people will have this idea, this this concept or, or thought that that they want to go into ministry. But what has driven them to that thought is less about calling and more about what they see, like maybe someone else doing. And so what I would say, man, you've got to get back and get alone with God and seek God's direction, spend some time in prayer asking God, is this what you want me to do? The one cool thing about God is this, is that when we seek Him with a pure heart, First John chapter 5 tells us that, that what we ask of God that lines up with the will of God, that we ask in Jesus' name, God will do. And so if you come to Him with a, a pure heart, with a tender heart, with a receptive heart to whatever mm-hmm. God's answer might be, and you sit down and say, God, I feel like you want me to go into ministry. I feel like you want me to do something here. God, I just pray that you give me clarity, give yeah. me wisdom, give me vision, give me an understanding, like make it obvious, open the right doors, close the wrong doors. Uh, what I've seen, all, God always will answer that prayer because you're praying it from the right perspective. Now, a mm-hmm. lot of times people use prayer in a different perspective where they ask what they want, right? Yeah. That That's not what the passage of the Scripture, Jesus himself said several times in the Gospels, Anything that you ask in my name, I will do. Uh, God says, anything that you ask in my name, God will do for you. Like some people say, well, that's awesome. God, I want a million dollars today. That's not lining up with God's will necessarily, right? Right, right. We wish it would, but that's not (laughs) God's will. And so what we ask, what we ask of God in God's will, like to line up with God's will, God will always answer that prayer. So I would say, like, first off, make it a matter of prayer and make it a matter of of prayer, but also of of systematic prayer. So in other words, I would say before you make any like, you know, big changes or or drastic turns, don't go quit your job until you've spent (laughs) a a good amount of time in prayer, maybe even prayer and fasting. Uh, God honors that. Certainly we see that in Scripture where we just seek the face of God. God will always reveal to you what his will is and what his plan is for your life when you seek him with the right kind of heart, the pure heart, mm-hmm. uh, the, the heart that desires God's will, not man's desire or man's wants. And yeah. so that's what I would say. Online Life, in partnership with the Alumni Relations Office, is proud to announce a brand new way for you to connect with other online students. By joining the new online student group in the alumni community, you will have access to several exciting features, including study tips, mentorship opportunities, event invites, and prayer. Log on today and connect with other students for encouragement, program advice, and more. Join us today free of charge at www.liberty.edu forward slash communities. 
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here talking with Jonathan Falwell. Uh, next question for you. What do you think is the importance of discerning your calling? Well, I mean, obviously, if it's your calling, you know, the importance of discerning that call and finding that, that's pretty important, right? Because if God's placed something in your life that his desire for you, something that he wants you to do, like, clearly, we want to find that. I, you know, the, the saddest thing in life would be to go through your entire life having never actually discerned what it is that God wants you to do. Now, we understand, like, the nature of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts chapter 1. When you read those three different conversations that took place, uh, recorded in in three different locations, and what we see clearly in that passage is that God says, or Jesus says, hey, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, encourage them to do all that I've commanded them to do, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, obviously, that's a call on every single one of us, right? So that, to discern that call, you just simply need to, like, open your eyes and read the book, right? (laughs) Because that's clear, like, God wants us to do that. And we can do that from any perspective, we can do it from any job setting, we can do it from our own homes and our own families, that's a calling that, as parents that we have in our lives, to pour it in that into our children, uh, to our neighbors, all of those kinds of things. So number one, like start there. Like, like make that the first part of your calling. Because what I know is that if we are not faithful in discerning that call, probably God's not going to reveal to you a deeper calling mm. if he can't trust you with the little. He's certainly not going to trust you with the much, right? Yeah. And so it's making sure that we're actually being obedient where we are, before God could ever take us to be an obedient and give us the opportunity of doing something next or different. And so that to discern it, number one, like be obedient now where you are. Like whatever it is, be obedient now. Hmm. Number two, seek, as we talked about a moment ago in prayer, what does God want me to do? Where does God want me to go? How does God want me to serve? What is a, you know, God, give me clarity and wisdom of what maybe new that I'm not doing that I should. And so in that prayer time, then God, again, reveals, because it's in God's will that we find his will, right? Mm-hmm. It's God's plan that we find that that plan. And so then we do that. Obviously, all of that is a... It's not a moment, it's not an instance, it's not a thing that we, you know, kind of check a box. It is a day-by-day continual journey, and God never reveals everything at one time. God reveals it over time, and that's something that we need to understand. Absolutely. I would love to hear your thoughts on, or maybe not thoughts, but maybe just what, what you would say to an online student who's saying, like, I have discerned this calling. I have prayed about this calling. It is scary. I'm, you know, uh, later in life and going back to school is something that, you know, like if that's what their calling is, they kind of come back to liberty and do some online. Um, It's really scary. Like we see a lot of uh, comments from students like that who are like, I haven't done school in years. Um, I don't know if I can do this. Like what is your encouragement to someone like that who is really wanting to, to follow that calling, but there's a lot of like just uneasy feelings about like taking that first step. Well, what I would say is don't be afraid of your fear. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a strange statement, but don't be afraid of what you're afraid of. Because when you think about this idea of stepping into the unknown, it's always going to be a little, you know, un- disconcerting. It's going to be a little scary when you're walking into something that you don't do, that you haven't done, and maybe that you've never done before, right? So don't be afraid of that. That's okay, because what that does is it then leans into, it makes you lean into dependence. 
the greatest way to actually accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in life is to recognize our responsibility to be completely dependent on Him rather than independent mm. of Him. Uh, I, I'll be honest. Again, I've been a pastor now for 27, 28 years, something like that. Uh, what I know is there's still moments of fear in like my journey. I've been doing this a long time, right? Uh, you know, when you look at like the, the typical, the old school elements of people when they serve 25 years and they retire, like technically, like I'm, I could retire, right? I mean, yeah. you know, in the old <laughs> way of looking at things. Um, but there are still moments as I walk through, like I'm, I'm fearful of things that I do even now, even though I've been doing this for so long. And that's a really good thing because Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, 4, 5, and 6 tells us like to never be in a place in our journey where we think that we are sufficient of ourselves because our sufficiency is of Christ. Like we have to depend on Him. And if we're not depending on Him fully, like when we know like this is goes beyond what I can do on my own, it goes beyond what my own abilities are, then that's a sweet spot in ministry. And so what I would say to an online student is what I would say to a residential student. It's what I would say to somebody who's been doing it for 25-plus years like I have. Like always like embrace your fear as a good thing as long as you turn that fear into dependence on God. Now, if you turn that fear into something that pushes you away from the calling of God, pushes you away from doing what it is that God has told you to do, pushing you away from pursuing God's will and God's calling in your life, then that's what I believe Satan uses that fear. So fear is something that can be used for good, or it's something that Satan can take advantage of and keep us from actually accomplishing all that God wants us to yeah. accomplish. So I would say don't be afraid of your fear, number one. Number two is allow that fear to lead you to complete dependence on God. And what I know, again, having done this a long time, is that when you're in a place of complete dependence on God, what naturally flows from that is that that fear will begin to diminish. Mm. And confidence will then appear. And when confidence appears that is rooted in complete dependence on God, like that's where you want to be. And so it doesn't matter whether you're online, residential, it doesn't matter if you're 20, uh, 50, or 100. That's the sweet spot that we always need to be looking for. That's great. So how would you encourage an online student um, as they balance their calling? Maybe they know what it is. Maybe they don't. They're still kind of working through that process while also balancing other life responsibilities and pressures, family, job, moving, financial instability, just kind of, you know, the whole smattering of. Yeah. Well, you know, what I would say, number one, is never take your calling from God and place that in a Position, position of priority over the other callings of God. Because what I also know about God is this, is every one of us has a calling, number one. Number two, every one of us has multiple callings, okay? So here's what I am. I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. So I recognize those three callings are callings that uh, many times, if I don't get those in the right priority, then I will mess everything up, okay? Now, you'll notice I said I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, and I'm a father. I said that in the exact opposite of what God intends for us to recognize, right? So the first calling that we all have is our personal relationship with Him. It has nothing to do with vocation, has nothing to do with impact, has nothing to do with ministering to the kids in the nursery or the people in the nursing home, has nothing to do with any of that. I have a calling of God that transcends being a pastor, a husband, or a father, that I have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I have to pursue Him and seek Him in everything that I do. That's my first priority. My second priority is my family. Mm. 
that has to come before my church responsibilities, has to become before my ministry, or anything that I do, you know, for God outside of that. Like, my family is number two, right? Mm -hmm. And when I talk about my family, obviously, I've got to provide for my family. If I were a bivocational pastor, I've got to provide for my family. I've got to make sure that I'm doing what is necessary to meet their needs, to take care of them, because God entrusted me with them. God yeah. put them into my life as a responsibility that that if I don't care for them, uh, the scriptures even say that then, man, I don't deserve to serve in the household of God if I can't take care of my own household, right? Yeah. And so then after that, then my responsibility is to minister to the calling that God has for me outside, that that whether it's vocational, bivocational, or whether it's just, you know, serving from a, a lay perspective, regardless, like that's what comes after my relationship with Christ and my relationship and responsibility to my family. So mm-hmm. what I would say is, obviously, doesn't matter, again, whether you're online, residential, doesn't matter whether you've been out of school for 30-plus years like I have, <laughs> doesn't really matter. What matters is this, is... Are you actually fo- focusing on and, and spending time like deliberately serving in the callings that God has on you? Number one, growing in your own personal faith, number one. Number two, the family, whatever family you have. If you have a wife, if you have a husband, if you have children, like you've got to focus there. Take care of them. Mm. You've got to then, again, things we've been talking about, like pursue, oh, God, what do you want me to do outside of that? Put all of those in the right priority, number one. I would say that's like a critical thing. And then what I would say is like how to balance all that. If you put it all in the right order and the right priority and like really focus on that direction, um, God will give you supernatural ability to do what you think you can't do uh, because of all the stuff that's piling on top of you. God will give you supernatural ability. When you put everything in your life in the right priority, God will shock you Mm. with what he does through you. And so that's something that I think that all of us need to recognize, again, regardless of our status in life, our age in life, or our position in life. Mm. Um, When you were talking earlier, uh, before our first commercial break, you mentioned a lot about the impact that our calling has on the people around us and even the impact it has on our personal relationship. For the person who's calling, they don't see the direct impact. It's a trickle effect. How do you think installing faith and hope for them is possible, especially for online students who may not have like that direct community around them. Sure. Well, you know, obviously, God will never put a call on your life Mm -hmm. that he also doesn't have a purpose for it. Like God is not going to call you to ministry and then set you out in the middle of the wilderness where there's not a person around you ever, (laughs) and you're sitting there saying, I'm in ministry, and you're all by yourself preaching to the trees. Like God's Mm -hmm. not going to do that, right? God will never put you into a calling or call you to do something where there is a very clear impact uh, that's connected to it. Always there's an impact. Mm -hmm. You may not see it. Yeah. There are lots of individuals that I've heard stories of, of people that have shared with me, of people who have spent their entire lives ministering to someone, sharing the gospel with someone, and they were rejected, 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 rejected. And then that person who has been doing that ministry passes away. And then I I preached a funeral last week. Mm -hmm. And I Funeral I preached last week. There was a it was a young man, thirty one, thirty two years old. Mm-hmm. Tragic situation, and a guy who just loved loved the gospel. He loved, you know he, he poured into people and shared the gospel with his friends and and all of those kinds of things. At his funeral that I preached last week, thirteen of his friends raised their hands and said that they got saved at that funeral. Yeah. Wow. Now that young man, only having lived thirty one, thirty two years, he didn't have the opportunity of seeing the impact that he had. Yeah. But here's what I know: God saw it. And God honored it. Mm -hmm. 
So what I would say is when you are in the will of God and the call of God, you may not see what exactly happens as a result of what you're doing. But what I do know is this. God doesn't call you for no purpose. God calls you for a purpose. Mm -hmm. God's purposes are higher than ours. We may may not understand them. And God will always use your faithfulness and your obedience to impact others, even if you never see it until you get to heaven. Our founder, Jerry Falwell Sr., used to say that nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. One of the goals of online life is to connect you with ways to pray for other students and receive prayer yourself. Our office provides two resources. First, our online student group in the alumni community hosts a special prayer group that connects students in need of prayer. Second, you can visit the 24-7 prayer portal run by the LU Shepherd's office at www.liberty.edu forward slash prayer. All right, we're back for our final segment with Pastor Jonathan. Um, thank you again so much for coming and just um, spending some time having this conversation with us. I think it's been very um, just uh, encouraging to me. Um, I recently, just in the past year, I, I finally gave in to a call that uh, that God had on my life. And um, I, I just love how God does not give up on us. Um, when we're trying to live life our own way, that's exactly what I was doing. I was uh, well aware that God wanted me to do um, certain things, and I was um, sort of doing the Jonah thing where I was running the complete opposite direction uh, as far away as possible as I could go. And um, and it just finally became um, too much for me to stop ignoring. You know, God continued to um, just, through the Holy Spirit, just you know convict me. Um, you know, put me in situations where I had to use that gift and um, brought people into my life that said, hey, I see this calling. Like, I see the giftings that God has given you in this area. And, you know, for example, I, I had a pastor at my church come up to me and was like, I am sensing, I could be way off here, but like the Spirit's kind of telling me and I'm, and I'm sensing that you're kind of fighting this. And um, I just want to speak into your life and say, uh, you know, don't keep doing that, you know? Um, so, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, Pastor Jonathan, just about how, um, just how awesome God is that, that he would, he would not let us just, just leave that behind that he would still pursue us. Well, number one, the Bible tells us that, you know, God is a God of pursuit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, that he's not willing that any should perish. So obviously he's a God of pursuit. If you ever spend time, which I hope you do, reading the Old Testament, you know, you talk about a God of pursuit. I mean, there are 20 million instances where God should have given up on Israel, right? Over and over again. I mean, this is this picture of like, seriously, again? Like like Israel, Mm -hmm. you're... Do you not forget what happened like two chapters ago, right? You know, obviously God's a God of pursuit. And so that's a great thing. We don't deserve it. But then again, uh, everything that we get from God, we don't deserve. And so when you talk about this idea of like running from or sometimes it's not even running. Sometimes it's just kind of sitting on the shoulder and ignoring. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not running from it. It's just like, yeah, I'll deal with that later. Or I'm just going to like not pay attention to it. Maybe it'll go away, that kind of thing. You know, we obviously have to find ourselves... As we talked about earlier, the more that we spend time seeking God's direction in our own lives, growing closer to Him every day, what ends up happening is that God 
will continue to work at us where we just can't ignore the obvious of what God's yeah. call is in our lives, right? And with that in mind, with that understanding, what we have to do is, as followers of Christ is we have to get ourselves to the place where we recognize it's far better for us to pursue God's call and God's will in our lives today rather mm-hmm. than, like Israel, sit back and, and let God pick up the proverbial pan and hit us over the head. Uh, Israel had lots of moments where the pan was hit over their head, right? I would much rather, like, lean into and and run with God's plan for my life, even if it's something I'm not really comfortable with today. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather do that now than to require a God who, number one, I I know he will never give up pursuing me. Mm -hmm. I know he will never turn his back on me, according to God's Word. I would much rather, like, lean into that now rather than make that God who's all-powerful and all-knowing, who knows everything that's going through my mind, like, uh, finally get into the place where, like, okay, he needs to get hit over the head. I'd much rather get there sooner. Yeah. And so I think that's what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, we yeah, we ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. God's not going to go away. You know, God's a God of pursuit. Mm-hmm. God's a God of love. Yeah. God wants you. Uh, that's why he sent Jesus to die for you, that he was buried and he rose again. Mm-hmm. He paid for our sins on the cross. He did that so he can spend eternity with us. God will never get to the place where he said, you know what? I'm done with him. Now, understanding that, it's far better for us to recognize that truth and lean into God's call earlier yeah. rather than wait until later. Right. And I think for me, looking back, I'm like, man, all that time that I spent trying to do my life my way could have been so much more impactful for the kingdom, could have been so much more impactful even for me, you know, going through that experience sooner. Um, so I guess my encouragement would be, you know, just what you said is, you know, don't um, don't just you know leave that sitting on your shoulder, or don't run from it. You know, like if 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 that calling is there and God's you know tugging at you to do that, then then lean into that. You know. Yeah. Um, I also had one more question for you regarding the verbiage maybe of calling, and a lot of our examples today have been about ministry, or you know, the nursery workers, or pastoring. What would you say to the person who says, "My number one calling is to be an accountant"? or to take this job at this organization, or to start a lawn care business. You know, there's so many opportunities to use the word calling. Sure. Um, in a, maybe not not secular, but like, you know, a, a non-ministerial Absolutely. context. You go back into the Bible. We have multiple uh, illustrations and, and uh, individuals in the scriptures that had that very same picture. So King David. He was called by God to be a politician, hmm. right? Uh, all through scriptures, we see people who are called by God, some into... You know, and what we think is like specific ministry, like full-time ministry, that kind of thing. Many others, in fact, most others, was not full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Most of the other individuals in Scripture were not called to some pastoral role like we would equate it with today. They were called to some other element of ministry, and God used that in a very powerful way. Abraham was called to be a very wealthy man, not not a pastor. He was called to be a very wealthy man, and from him God blessed in incredible ways the nation of Israel. God called Joshua to be a warrior, so God called him. God called Gideon to step out of his fear and to face the enemies, to go out again as a warrior, to go to battle. So absolutely, there are people even in today's culture, in in our verbiage today, that are called to do something outside of what we would traditionally say is ministry, Mm -hmm. church work, missions work, you know, worship ministry, music ministry, that kind of thing. 
people like Truett Caffey, who started Chick-fil-A. God called him to that. Yeah. Thank God he did, right? <laughs> I mean, we all appreciate that great gift of Chick-fil-A. But what we also recognize, God called him to be a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And through a successful business, God has actually blessed and encouraged and ministered to a lot of people in a lot of ways because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that story could be told a million times over. Uh, I know one individual who is a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, uh, very wealthy, uh, he would be up in the billions of dollars that his, his net value is, his net worth is. And what I know is God called him to that, and God called him to be successful in that business, in that realm. And I know because he also is planting churches over in Africa and other places. He's involved in ministry and missions. He's doing things. He's blessing others in his own uh, companies, in his own factories. He has chaplains and all, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. God is using him as a businessman for the kingdom of God. And so what I would say, again, whether it's a teacher, my daughter's a school teacher. God called her to be a school teacher. And she's pouring in every day into the lives of those kids that, that God put into her classroom. God called her. to That's a calling. So calling does not equate with, you know, our perception of ministry. Calling is ministry. And sometimes it could be in a church, and sometimes it can be in a business, and sometimes it can be at the state house or the White House. Sometimes it can be in all of those different things that we would naturally or traditionally equate with calling or ministry, but absolutely according to God. Look in the Scriptures. There are more examples of God's calling to ministry of people who did not go into traditional ministry and went into other elements than there are who went into ministry. There's the Pauls, right? The God called them to vocational ministry. You got it. But... There's the King Davids, there's the Abrahams, there's the Joshuas, there's the Gideons, there's the Samsons, all down the line. God called them to do something radically different, and that is the, the, the benefit of being God. You can, call, you can call whatever you want to ministry. Absolutely. Um, so to wrap up, we've got these cards that we're going to have each of our guests this season um, pick. So they're two-sided, so you can grab one. You can okay. read both sides. It's like a magic trick. We're doing yeah, a magic trick absolutely. for those of you at home. So just pick one. Pick one. I'm picking and one. You can read both sides. You can answer both questions, or if you have a leaning in either direction. All right. So uh, let's see. What, here's the question. What is the best thing that happened to you this week? Well, the best thing that happened to me this week is going to happen to me this tonight. Okay. Great. Hasn't happened yet. But my son called last night about 11 o'clock, right before I was going to bed, and said, hey, would you be willing to keep my daughter, his daughter, my granddaughter, keep her overnight tonight because they're going and uh, she, he and his wife are going on a trip tonight. And so the best thing that happened this week is I get to hang out with my granddaughter this week. So that's pretty cool. Because she's awesome. I've trained her. Every time I say, okay, Olivia, Papa is an all awesome. That's what she answers. <laughs> I have brainwashed her. So my Amazing. job is done. The second question on this card is what is your favorite space in your home? The favorite space in my home, honestly, is whatever place in my home that I am there with my family. Mm-hmm. And it can be in the family room watching TV. It could be sitting around the kitchen table having dinner. It could be out in the backyard. It could be where, like anytime that I can be around my family, I, I my best friends are my family. And I, I, my wife and my kids and now my grandkids, uh, I, I love the fact that my, my kids, they're all out of the house now, but they all come over multiple times during the week. They're not, you know, kind of on their own world and, and we never see them. Like they're at our house multiple times during the week. Uh, of course, it doesn't hurt that I'm paying for all the meals when they come over. <laughs> of course. Uh, but uh, I, they're my best friends. And so wherever, whatever space in my house that I can be with my family, then that's my favorite space. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Jonathan, for spending some time with us. And uh, thank you for all you do for this campus and for this town as well. Um, I was a student here years and years and years ago now. And um, even He's then. He's 82. Just to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I look great for my age. You can hear it in his voice. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, just, just even the impact that you had on me as a, as a kid who came here, a very baby, baby Christian when I first got here, knew nothing except that I love Jesus. And um, getting to hear from you in combo and stuff was just really great. So thank you so much for what you do for our students here, even our online students too, um, and also for the church here in town. It's just great. So thank you so much for coming yeah, on the absolutely. podcast. Great to be with you guys and excited to see what happens through this podcast. Again, you know, 115, 118,000 students around the world that are, are part of our Liberty family. And, and regardless of where they live, they are part of our Liberty family. Uh, it is so cool to see just the, the continued impact in our world as it relates to these online students who are champions for Christ, yeah. making a difference wherever they are. So what I would say to you, student, like keep focusing on God's plan for your life. Go out there, make a difference, make an impact, and change the world. And we'll celebrate together when we get to heaven. Amen. All right, well, that's it. That's the first episode of the On Life Podcast. Living in abundance wherever God puts you. The On Life Podcast is a production of the Office of Student Life at Liberty University. Liberty University.